Rejoice, Jerusalem, and all who love her. Be joyful, all who were in mourning. Exult and be satisfied at her consoling breast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Today, the fourth Sunday of Lent has long been known as Laetare Sunday from the antiphon that I just read, Be Joyful, Be Filled with Joy. The fourth Sunday of Lent is that day historically where the church pauses and looks ahead to the great victory of Christ's resurrection, delights at the thought of celebrating that, and in that joy renews its strength to finish its Lenten observance. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither he nor his parents sinned. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. He smeared the clay on his eyes and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back able to see. His neighbors and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is. But others said, No, he just looks like him. He said, I am. So they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He replied, The man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and told me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went there and washed and was able to see. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought the one who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes on a Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinful man do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you have to say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and gained his sight, 
until they summoned the parents of the one who had gained his sight. And they asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. We do not know how he sees now, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone acknowledged him as the Christ, he would be expelled from the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he is of age. Question him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. And he replied, If he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. So they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And they ridiculed him and said, You are that man's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we do not know where this one is from. And the man answered and said to them, This is what is so amazing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, You were born totally in sin, and you are trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him. The one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. And then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see might see, and those who do see might become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not also blind, are we? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you are saying, We see. And so your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise 
What a remarkable series of readings we have placed before us by the church today. These readings that all in their own way speak of the contrast between light and darkness, night and day, life and death, blindness and sight. Our first reading from the books of Samuel with the call and the anointing of David, the future king of Israel, sets the table for us in a wonderful way. Jesse and his sons are invited to a dinner where they will give sacrifice to the Lord, and among those sons, a king will be chosen. And we see, however, as the prophet arrives and the sons of Jesse are presented one after the other, starting with the eldest, who makes a splendid appearance. He's handsome, he's strong, he's gifted. So much so that the prophet says, this must be the one, he is so impressive. And we see the Lord correcting the holy man, saying, you still do not see correctly. There is a fundamental worldly blindness and inability to see about you. Because the heart of man and the eye of man all too often stops on the superficial, the first impression, and doesn't penetrate to the heart of the matter, to the heart of reality, to the heart of man himself. And so son after son is presented, each one worthy in worldly terms in his own way and each one not accepted by the Lord. So much so that the prophet turns to the father and says, there's got to be another one somewhere. And note the answer. Yes, there's still the youngest who we didn't bring. Even the father could not see the merit of his own son. On the day where the family gathered to celebrate and offer sacrifice, that son who was most pleasing to the Lord was deemed not important enough to bring along. What a remarkable incident this is. This is not a story about an abusive family or a disordered family, but a family like many of our families. And it underscores the difficulty we have in truly gauging one another, in truly measuring the quality of a good life or a good person. How many times in our own lives and how many times on a daily basis around us do we or does somebody else fall into the trap of saying, based on an initial impression, I thought this person would be good for me, only to find out that that is terribly wrong. And so we see here, we are often mysteries to one another, the truth of ourselves hidden from one another. And our sin-fallen eyes often have difficulty identifying what is truly good and who is truly good. And in our modern world where so much is predicated on giving an impression, that makes things even more complicated because it means so much of what we encounter is through the filter of someone wearing a mask or constructing an experience to give an impression that may have nothing to do 
with the reality underneath. And so it is that the Lord says, but I see differently than you do because my eye penetrates beyond the surface. My eye sees behind the mask. My eye is not content with mere impressions. My eye seeks what is truly there. And so when the youngest son is brought forward, we find out that in a worldly terms, he is every bit as impressive as his brothers with this difference. Inside him, in his heart and in his spirit, he is even more impressive. And that is what the Lord is looking for. Not merely the outwardly impressive, the superficially good, but that one who holds goodness genuinely within him. That is the one who is pleasing in the eye of God. That having been said, then, we come to this issue of what is truly pleasing to God in a different way in our gospel reading, with this really wonderfully odd question that the disciples ask Jesus. The man has been born blind. And note what they say. Whose fault is it? Did he sin or did his parents? But he was born blind. How could he have sinned first? You know, what a remarkable question. Whose fault is it that he was born blind? And we see here again a natural tendency in the human heart and all too often in the believer's heart. When we see something negative, there's the desire to immediately assign blame, to assign fault. Well, you must have done something to deserve that. Oftentimes, we do it to ourselves. Oftentimes, one of the hallmarks of somebody who has been through an abusive relationship is in time trying to understand why something so terrible could happen to me from someone I trusted the person who's the victim says, there must be something wrong with me that it happened. That somehow it's my fault. And that terrible falling into a guilt that's not his or her own can limit, even cripple a person's ability to live and to trust for most of their lives. And so we see here something that's deadly serious in our gospel reading. This man has been born blind. And yet the tendency is to say something that he or his family did wrong is the cause. And note what happens then. It allows those who pass that judgment to take a certain air of superiority onto themselves. Well, that didn't happen to me. I must at least be doing better than they are. And so the Lord pauses and again he points out a very curious blindness that we have. Note his answer. Neither he nor his parents sinned. His blindness is for the giving of glory to God. What an odd statement that is. And know what the Lord is saying. Our intrinsic blindness extends to the fact that we cannot even see value in the common reality of suffering. Let's pause on that for a moment. Because it is one of those realities we grow up avoiding and we're taught to avoid. And yet 
Every one of us will experience it at some point. And what happens then is if there's no value at all in suffering, then my chronic illness is nothing but pain and it has no good. If there is no value in suffering, then the fact that I am trapped in poverty and can't get out means I am condemned to a valueless, meaningless existence. If there is no value at all in suffering, then those of us who know what hardship is for a significant part of our lives are living an experience that tells us we have no value at all. So know what the Lord is saying. There is more than suffering in His blindness. There is more than weakness in His blindness. And this one that you want to look down upon is here so that you have a chance of seeing the glory of God. And without Him, you're not going to see it. And all of a sudden, Jesus is saying, in that illness you carry, in that poverty that you know, in that hardship that is such a persistent part of your life, hidden within it, visible only to the eye of faith, is a possibility of showing forth the glory of God, not just to yourself, but to the world around you. What a remarkably beautiful and powerful statement that is. And so it is that this man, who is said to have no value, merely a sightless beggar, is that one through whom Jesus shows forth his divine glory and the glory of God. And so he spits in the earth and makes clay. He whose hand in the very beginning from the clay of the earth shaped Adam takes clay, smears it across the eyes of this man, eyes that never worked, tells him to go and wash. And in that moment, this man who has only ever known darkness and has no idea what light is. And imagine that. This is not a man who lost his sight. He never had it. He doesn't know what color is. He doesn't know what light is. He doesn't know what a human being looks like. He's only experienced the world around him through sound and touch and an impenetrable darkness. And so he stumbles to this pool, washes his eyes, and as the water hits his eyes, he opens them, and the brightness of light shining off of that water is the first thing he sees. And imagine that moment where he realizes, oh my God, water looks like this. And this world that he had lived in his entire life is suddenly different. Not because the world has changed, but because his eyes have changed. He now sees the faces associated to the voices he had heard. He now sees the streets he has stumbled along and been led along. What a remarkable change this is. The entire world is different for this man, even though the world didn't change at all. But his eyes are open for the first time, and he sees. And in this moment, the disciples also see 
Their eyes are open to the fact that they did not understand the dignity of this man, that they did not understand the value of this man who suffered for so very long, and that the suffering he carried was not the mark of punishment, but it was an opportunity that was waiting, waiting for the right moment when the grace of God could break in and show something wonderful. How absolutely beautiful this is. And of course, as is often the case, when something beautiful happens, there are those who come and try and suck the beauty right out of it. And so there are those who come and don't want to accept, don't want to receive this because they are convinced they have always seen correctly. And because of that, they reject the evidence that their eyes bring to them. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness prefers to remain where it is. And so it is that there are these gymnastics trying to reject Jesus. And note, note the answer of the man born blind. We know that God spoke to Moses. We don't know about this one. And note the answer. Even Moses never gave sight to eyes that never worked before. Only one touched by the creative power of God can do such a thing. This is not the opening of eyes that once worked and now they don't. This is not a repair. These eyes never worked. It's as if they are completely new. This is unheard of. This is unseen before. This is something remarkably new. And only Jesus Christ has done it. And what a remarkable testimony that this man gives. All I can say is this. I was blind. Now I'm not. What an important statement that is. Because the simple fact of the matter is this man born blind was placed on this earth as a sign to all of us about the truth of who we are as human beings. Every single human being born into this world because of our sinfulness. I'm going to make two exceptions. The Blessed Virgin Mary and Jesus Christ. They were born without sin. But all of the rest of us, all of the rest of us are in fact born blind. Mankind is born blind. Oh, our, our eyes physically work. And the problem is because our eyes physically work, we think we see truly. We think we see clearly. We think we know who we are. We think we know about each other. We think we know about life. And yet how often are the things that we look at leading us wrong? How often do we choose the wrong values, the wrong priorities? How often in our stubborn insistence that I've seen it and I know it, do we set ourselves and those we love up for trouble? We're all born blind. And we won't understand ourselves or this life clearly unless the one who has given us life restores our sight. This is the hidden beauty of the sacrament of baptism, that great washing which allows us to see by the light of faith. To see not merely in worldly terms, but to see beyond merely worldly terms. 
to learn to see into the heart of the matter in the light of our relationship with Jesus Christ. What a powerful gospel reading we have today. And note the Lord's insistence. If you're blind and you're acting out of a blindness you don't even know you have, there's really diminished guilt there. But when you convince yourself that you see, that you know, that you're always right and you refuse the light when it comes to you, then we're in trouble. Then we're all in trouble. And so the Lord challenges all of us to recognize that there is a blindness that we all struggle with. But there is also a source of light that we've been given, a light within which we can see truly and clearly, and his name is Jesus Christ. Starting today, immediately following Mass here at the Shrine, we'll begin a week of Lenten mission activities. And the entire point of a mission is to come aside and allow the Lord to instruct us on how to see clearly in the light of the Gospel. And so over the next seven days, beginning with uh, the consecration of our image of Our Lady of Sorrows and the crucifix in the back of the church, we will spend a week reflecting on the mysterious wisdom and power of the cross of Jesus Christ and the way that it opens our eyes and our hearts to the truth of ourselves and the truth of salvation. Tomorrow night... Tuesday night and Wednesday night, we will gather for the praying of the rosary at 6.30 p.m., followed by a preached mission service at 7, followed by a special blessing that we will impart at the end of the service. Tomorrow night, I will stay here as long as it takes to bless every family that comes to attend the mission. Tuesday night, we will celebrate the blessing of crucifixes, and Wednesday night, we will have the blessing of holy water. Okay? You bring the crucifixes, I'll bless them. You bring the water, I will bless it. I gave a mission in Mexico a number of years back. I said that, and people showed up with baskets filled with crucifixes. And then on the next night, a family came, and they had a wagon. And in the wagon were six five-gallon buckets of water. I'm not sure what anybody needs 30 gallons of holy water for, but I did bless it. So we don't have quantity limits here. On Thursday in the afternoon, we will have the opportunity for the veneration of the relic of our founder, St. Louis de Montfort, the Apostle of the Cross. On Friday, we will have a fuller praying of the Stations of the Cross. And next Saturday, the Feast of the Annunciation of the Lord, we will have Mass, and the plan is outdoors. We will have an opportunity to renew total consecration to Jesus through Mary in the afternoon, followed by the formal consecration of the wooden crucifix outside of our church. That was originally planned for today, but with wind chills in the 20s, it seemed that the most merciful and just act would be to reverse things. So we will pray inside today and plan to be outside when it's sunny and 50 degrees next weekend. Um, a, a mission, a Lenten mission, is a moment of grace. And it rests on the idea that we heard on Ash Wednesday. Now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. And in that now, the Lord has an abundance of graces for those who come out to pray and to take the time to join us for the mission. I recognize that not everybody lives close and that our lives are busy and that we don't have a lot of free time. But so... I'm still going to ask you to do something stupid then. Come out. 
Come out to the mission. Come out for all of the days or some of the days, but come out. And don't come out because you have free time. Come out because you don't. Don't come out because you have nothing better to do. Come out because you have all those other things you could do. Don't come out because you have extra energy. Come out because you're tired. Because the simple fact of the matter is, whatever controls our time controls us. And the real power of a mission doesn't rest with the preacher. If you get a guy who's a good speaker, that's a bonus. The real power of the mission is in the generosity of those who say, I am giving this time to the Lord and I am coming out. There is a great power in that generosity when it is shared. And the Lord who is never outdone in generosity is pleased to receive it and pleased to bless it with his abundance, not ours. What a great gift that is. And so following Mass today, we will begin our prayers by which the Mission Week will open here at the Shrine. And over the next several days, we all do look forward to praying with you and your families over the days and the evenings of the Mission. Amen.